0: welcome to episode 21 of booty and bossy eat drink (laughs) knit we have to do it every episode we're very proud of ourselves we made it this far (laughs) now that we're 21 we're celebrating with our blackberry ginger rye cocktail which was from episode 11 11 this one goes to 11 yes so cheers Cheers. Oh, that you're drinking your cocktail out of a mug. Okay. I'm
1: drinking tea because some of us have to work tomorrow and it's the middle of the week. <laughs> so I'm pretending that it's the blackberry ginger rye cocktail, which I would really like to drink, except that it's the middle of the week and some of us have to work tomorrow. So <laughs> Lies, lies, and more lies. That's what you get. <laughs> Huh. <laughs> yeah, that's what you get. Huh. I do want to say that we are going to have another cocktail recipe that is going to use your leftover cranberry sauce from Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So don't throw your cranberry sauce out because mm-hmm. this is a cocktail that uses your leftover cranberry sauce. So That's a little heads up on that. And I promise that after Thanksgiving, I will definitely be having a a lot
0: of cocktails. (laughs) Yes. Before, during, and after. It's all good. I look forward to that. That sounds really good. Now, our recipe for this episode, though, is a cornbread recipe. We had a lot of requests for the cornbread recipe after our Portuguese bean soup.
1: Or maybe one in the lies, <laughs> lies, and more lies theme that we're developing. We had yeah. one. Thanks,
0: mom, <laughs> for I making that work. <laughs> yes. I looked at the Coke lodge recipe, which was the one that we had at the lodge with the Portuguese bean soup. And I tried it. It's very good. It does call for bisquick. I have to say, it's a super fast recipe because it's only got maybe five ingredients, thanks to the Bisquick. So, you've got your Bisquick, your cornmeal, and it only has a quarter of a cup of cornmeal. So, it's pretty light on the cornmeal, which gives it a very cakey texture. It's sort of light and fluffy, not too heavy with the cornmeal. We'll put that in the show notes if you want to try that. But we have another recipe. Yes. I should say when we were growing
1: up, because we always start with when we were growing up. I did hear a German proverb the other day. I don't know if I told you this, that said, inside of every person, you can see the room of the child. Mm. And I really like that idea, because I do think there is a way that we all go back, our childhood room that we all go back to. But in our childhood room was Jiffy. Yes. Cornbread mix. And we always liked when mom bought that because it was something that we could make. We could mm-hmm. just add it. I think
0: it was just milk and know, water,
1: milk and yeah. Maybe and oil. I, maybe there was some oil. I do remember learning that when Betty Crocker and all of those brands for sort of easy bake at home, Came out in the 50s after World War II when there was this whole push to make homemaking easier and stuff. And apparently, it was initially an epic fail <clears throat> that they couldn't get women to buy these cake mixes. They just thought that they were, why would I buy a cake mix? But then they did some marketing research and discovered that the women felt like the cake mixes made life too easy. what they changed was that you had to add an egg and that because that would make you feel like you were doing something you know and so the the cake mixes actually don't require an egg you can make them without an egg the egg is just to make women feel like (laughs) they're
0: doing something (laughs) Well, so. I would think it's gotta taste better with a fresh egg than one without it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's well, and I was gonna say on the bisquick, I found a little history on that, that it was somebody in the 1930s who was on a train and the dining car was closed, but he wanted a biscuit. So he yes, asked for a biscuit. It came out right away and he was astonished. And and it turned out the chef was pre-mixing the flour and baking soda and all the things that go into the biscuit, except for the egg and milk. So that was kind of interesting. And then that was the same market as the cake mixes.
1: Yeah. Well, and apparently once they understood that, then everybody was buying these miracle cake mixes. But initially they were not... So wait, so that was the inspiration for the guy who invented right. Bisquick, kind of like
0: Discover in America? Yes. He basically invented, stole it from some. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. now Bossy doesn't use Bisquick. And I discovered this because we went on a camping trip and Bossy brought flour and sugar and butter and eggs from her chickens. And milk (laughs) to make pancakes in the morning. (laughs) I was like, really? You know, they have these squeeze bottles, where you just add water and you shake it.
1: (laughs) I did mix everything together ahead of time and put them in a bag, except the wet ingredients, which I added there. But I did get into trouble for this because I remember my son went over to our neighbors for a sleepover and my friend said oh you know do you kids want pancakes and they said sure and then she got out one of those squeeze bottles and my son was like what's that I <laughs> I can't <laughs> yeah. and then she said well how does your mother bring them? she said well she mixes the and she was like damn it <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. I hate that moment That's I hate right. that yeah yeah
1: but we digress as usual so I remembered making them from Jiffy mixes, which were fine. And, but then when I was in college, I worked at a restaurant in Philadelphia. This was actually just when it first opened up and it was called the White Dog Cafe. If anybody has ever been there, it still exists. And in fact, when we went down and visited my son, we took him out there. So it was kind of great to see that this restaurant so but when I worked there it was a tiny little sandwich shop and it was really the place where I learned to bake there were some bakers who actually worked at the restaurant up the street La Taras Mm -hmm. and originally the muffins and things were made there and then when they opened up the kitchen they taught me how to bake and I made them and I have to tell you that was my first encounter too with rats I love this story When you work in the city, there's rats. I made the muffins. So I'd get in there first at five in the morning to make the muffins like the donut guy. And I would stand up at the top of the stairs and I would flick the lights on and off to kind of let them know I was coming. And then there was a broom at the top of the stairs. And then there was this big bag of new potatoes at the top of the stairs. So I would put on my apron. And then I would take about like 10 new potatoes and I'd stick them in my apron. And then as I walked down the stairs, I'd whip the potatoes at the rats that were <laughs> skittering away. And the guy who cleaned the kitchen was like, How'd all these potatoes get under? You know, the, the, like, oh. yeah. But it, one, I never hit him. But one day I hit one right in the back and it made like this sound. And I was kind of horrified and that big fat city rat just turned around and looked at me like you bitch and i'm like i'm going and and literally kept just kind of he wasn't even scurrying he just kind of kept just sort of walking
0: and then the other one yes so one of the codes when you
1: work in a kitchen this is like kitchen confidential is you always clean up your station And so one morning I came down and everything was out. There was batter in the bowl. There were actually, I think, still cakes in the oven. I mean, the oven had been turned off, but there were cakes in the oven and stuff. And I was like, what the heck? This was when they were doing construction and there was a vent over the top of the convection oven that was open and apparently the the evening baker who did i did the muffins she did the desserts she was literally putting a tray of cake batter into the pan and a rat fell out from the vent and landed right in the cake batter as she was putting (laughs) it and so she just took off her apron and left which i yeah
0: i would have done the same thing right i quit
1: yeah and i was like well Are we going to put some green up in front? Because if that happens again, we're both leaving. Yeah, right, right. But anyway, I do remember, and I have a lot of recipes from White Dog from my days at White Dog. I actually never had the recipe for this, but I do remember making cornbread. And this was a revelation. And the revelation is that you add canned cream corn Mm -hmm. because it moistens it. It gives it that corn flavor. It's just really nice. So so we did some research on the Google and we came up with a recipe that uses canned corn. I thought this was pretty close to what we did at White Dog. I do remember at White Dog, we also used to sometimes add cheddar cheese Mm -hmm. and sometimes we chopped up jalapeno pepper Mm -hmm. and put that in too. So you could easily adapt. So you mix together the dry ingredients three quarters of a cup of yellow cornmeal, one and a half cups flour, one tablespoon of baking powder, a half cup white sugar. I used to use brown sugar because I think it just gave it a nicer heft and a quarter teaspoon of salt. I might actually use a little bit more salt. So you mix that together and then the wet ingredients are one cup of canned cream corn. Now I have to say, this is one thing that drives me crazy be one cup of canned cream corn and the can is 14.75 ounces
0: what do you do with the rest a third of a cup of if anybody has ideas for what to do with a <laughs> quarter cup half cup of cream of corn
1: well and if i still had chickens i'd give it to the chickens uh, but right. yeah i don't have chickens so so for the purpose of the recipe i followed this i If I were doing it again, I'd probably just put in the whole can and then maybe add a little more flour, half a cup. So one stick of melted butter and then two eggs lightly whisked and three quarters of a cup of milk. And the thing I liked about this recipe, I made it in a cast iron frying pan. You heat the frying pan in the oven, then you melt about two tablespoons of butter and then you, you mix the wet and dry and pour that in and cook it for, I don't know, about 25 minutes or so. It would say it makes enough for six people to have a nice wedge.
0: Yeah, I would it say was, at least six, maybe. Yeah, Eight. a big wedge. Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so decent amount, but yes. And don't anybody say that we don't respond to our listeners' requests. (laughs) Cornbread, (laughs) exactly. Our one listener who said, what about the cornbread? Yeah. But anyway, that's the story of the cornbread. And make the Portuguese bean soup. It's awesome.
0: Can you use leftover turkey in your
1: bean soup? Probably. Well, you can make a nice stock and then use Mm. the turkey stock instead of the chicken stock, if you want to use homemade. Oh, that's the other thing I was going to say is the original recipe calls for eight ounces of tomato sauce, but I don't buy eight ounce cans of things. I just put in <laughs> 28 ounces. <laughs> yeah. What I, I don't realize really, it's three and a half times as much.
0: Yeah. Um, I think I did too. I feel like it's really good. It makes it a little more tomatoy. so.
1: And that's what I love about this, that recipe. And I didn't I don't think we said this, is that it's a flexible recipe. You can put in more carrots. You can put in more celery. You you can put in what you have and what you like. It's not, we don't need to respect the proportions. We do not need to respect the proportions. Yeah,
0: and I mean, we did talk about that a bit on the ham part that you're, you're using whatever you can get your hands on, your ham hands. Your ham
1: hands, yeah. And I have to say, cornbread is pretty flexible too. I mean, if the batter's a little bit wetter, you just cook it for a little bit longer. I actually think that's one of the reasons it was probably used. Cornbread was a staple of the Prairie West (laughs) covered
0: wagon. And I do not have a cast iron can so I used a Pyrex dish and I would say I think you might want to use a nine by thirteen as opposed to a square one. But I also did the thing where I put it in the oven and then baked it, and it also gives it a nice crispy outside. So that, now
1: booty it. I'm surprised that you didn't use your tart tatin pan. I don't
0: think that would be big enough. Oh. Yeah. Okay. That's actually thought though. I do have my all clad saute pan. That's a good idea. I think I'll try that because that's larger. I did feel like this makes more than your standard cornbread recipe that's in a square pan. So yeah. It
1: definitely makes more than the Jiffy box, which I remember <laughs> we used to have to make two of those.
0: Yeah. Well. yeah.
1: And we'd also generally, if I remember, we would generally eat the cornbread before
0: dinner. Oh, Um, yeah. Yeah, there's no way the cornbread was making it next to your chili or your bean soup or whatever. It was, yeah, it was gone. Pretty much devoured. Because I do
1: think it is something that it's best when you have it warm and the butter can
0: melt. Well, and if you want to be really decadent, then the homemade honey... posse makes or used to make
1: yeah yeah i i'd like to say that i was a beekeeper but i think i was more of a bee killer which frankly every everybody who's a beekeeper really is a bee killer and they're just not saying it but (laughs) i did used to have bees and we did have a lot of honey until the bees died but
0: yeah it was really good honey
1: since there's only two of us My husband has been eating the cornbread for the past several days, but it's really good toasted.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, he is a master of the toaster oven. He is. He has made birthday cakes in
1: toaster ovens.
0: (laughs) That was impressive because I think you were redoing your kitchen or something. So you did an oven and he was making bossy or birthday cake. The cake would rise and then it would get too tall, burn. (laughs) And so he would cut off that part and then put it back in the oven and of, cut it off. <laughs> you know, it's sweet
1: and it's the man approach to, <laughs> yeah. And by the way, that was a Duncan Hines devil's food cake mix. That's always the birthday cake that I get. And then I think it has the Duncan Hines fudge frosting. He gets two cans because. <laughs> he basically uses it like speckle. and that <laughs> that's the frosting that covers up a multitude
0: of sins that reminds me of when my husband made me a hedgehog cake one year and it was really good I think I have a picture and he had to get a pack of M&M's so he could use two eyes you know needed two blue M&M's <laughs> <laughs> and I was like school package of m yes, and yeah. <laughs> i hope it was the
1: sharing size you know i know um, it was yeah, not. Stingy. yeah but well booty yeah. what 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 are you knitting these days
0: i'm working on a second composition poncho i love a good poncho i gotta say I think there are poncho people and there are not poncho people. I hear a lot of people say that they have a hard time wearing shawls. And I think we've talked about that a little bit, but it's true. I have a friend of mine that makes beautiful shawl pins and I think you can put her information in the show notes. It's the knitting sleuth on Etsy. She also makes really adorable stitch markers. So you can use a good shawl pin and that you can make that work. And I would probably just attach her shawl pin to my poncho, but (laughs) like you did with the buttons. Yeah. Um, But a poncho is just so nice and easy to throw on. You don't have to do anything i know
1: i agree about the shawl and i have to say the only shawl that i've ever gotten to work is my jamie one that i made from the outlander my composure and i actually i'll put a picture of it because i did do the original pattern was just a garter i did a different pattern where i basically and i don't know what it's called I, i don't think i I'm sure I didn't invent it, but basically, you do a knit pearl, knit pearl on one side, and then on the way back, you do knit. Mm-hmm. And so you get the nice striations of the knit lines, and then with basically like a seed stitch in between. So I really liked how it came out. But that thing could fit half of the Patriots football team in it. It was so huge. I mean, I couldn't even. I was like, oh my God. I mean, I knew, I knew I was knitting a big garment, but then when I blocked it, but that really works. If it's mm. a big shawl, yeah. then it works great with one of those. When I flip up the top so that it creates a collar. Yeah, and then I've got it across. And I love that, but that's the only shawl that I've ever made that was big enough to do that. And I do feel like that is the feature that if Jamie... Jamie, should come out from the wilds and mistake me for Claire. It will be because of my shawl. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, and Elizabeth Zimmerman said that there was a a term called unventing, which is basically making up something that maybe somebody else has made up too, but you, you weren't stealing it, you're unventing it. The thing that I like about the composition, I think designers out there do amazing things and there are many designs. I'm just astounded with how clever they come up with a way to make the little thumbs on little mittens for gnomes, <laughs> things like that. What I'm doing is basically a big rectangle that I fold in half. It's all of the church mouse, easy fold. Poncho, yeah, just seam it partway, and there it is. And so it, it, I think, it hangs down in a nice way. Casapinka talked about how some ponchos are basically crotch pointers. <laughs> 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 it's nice V Uh, that goes
1: (laughs) directly. I have to say I never thought of them that way until I heard that what what I thought was that they were nicely slenderized the big part of the triangles look up here kind of thing (laughs) uh, not down there and then I felt like oh I guess I could see the the pointer part yeah yeah wear it the way you want to wear it
0: there are times when I feel like the ponchos can be kind of short and it's here's my tummy.
1: No and I think that the scale thing again and you don't want them too long that you Mm -hmm. feel like they're getting in the way. I love that. In fact the church mouse poncho was one of the first things you ever knitted for me and I still wear that all the time and that was the basic pattern that I use for the arpeggio is knit a big triangle. Normally I do it the short way and then knit long instead of long but and then seam it on one side and add fancy buttons
0: well and speaking of which i realized that in terms of shawls you can have both because so marie green has a book called knit shaws and wraps in one week if you have a week off (laughs) you're not doing anything else and
1: if you're not drinking a lot of cocktails
0: maybe but she has one in here that is both because it basically has just buttons that.
1: Oh, that's really cool.
0: Connect the two. And it's also knit with a very chunky yarn. So, and I realized, hmm, I have some of this in my stash from a sweater, but and only four skeins of it. So, well, and that's the other thing I love about ponchos and shawls you don't have to worry about sizing. You maybe need to do a gauge swatch just to see if you like the fabric or are you going to run out of yarn or something, but otherwise it's a one size fits all, which is great. I
1: think that for me is a super big thing because I feel like I'm not that skilled in how to size things. Well, like I made the super size Jamie saw that could be worn by a linebacker, but the miracle of the shawl pin. I would hate the idea of making a sweater and it's too small or too big than what exactly. you exactly. So.
0: Well, and the other one who came up with a really ingenious way of doing this is Andrea Mowry I think it was one of her first patterns. It used to be called the Yoga Shawl or something with yoga in there, and then she changed it to the Every Way Shawl. And she has the cutest video of on how to wear it. And she has all these different ways of buttoning, you know, just a few buttons and wearing it uh, mm. backwards, you know, it's adorable. So you can have both. And the other book I was going to recommend was this 52 Weeks of Shawls, mm. which is published by Lane Publishing. It's just a gorgeous book. All their books are gorgeous. They have I, fifty-two. That's a lot weeks. of shawls. Yeah, I think they have fifty-two weeks of socks, oh. and maybe another one too. But it's we'll put it in the show notes. But they're just stunning. I like just looking at the drooling. I off. know
1: that's the thing about the. I mean, I feel like some books you, you get them and there's, it, you're doing pretty well if you've got if there's a couple of
0: patterns in there
1: for mm. what y- you might actually make, but. I just love looking at them. It's it's kind of the book version of, Rhinebeck, and mm. I, and I think that is why I like the the poncho and the shawl is because I feel like the variety. It's it's like Shakespeare's Cleopatra. It's infinite
0: variety. Oh mm. oh, ah. Bossy manages to bring it back to Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> Very talented. Yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. that's all I got. our dad used to say the world in the grain of sand or something like that it's true oh a rectangle has infinite texture color the thick yarn the mohair whatever you want you can make it your own so it's a lot of fun to play with
1: I was reading a book the other day called, I'm not sure how to say his name, Mahali's Six Mahali's Flow, The Psychology of Optimal Experience. And he talks about the idea of why hobbies or certain activities can bring us joy. Mm-hmm. And it is that idea that they give variety, that it's not just the same action over and over again. And there's an idea too, that in order for something to truly be satisfying and fulfilling it, you have to be constantly learning from it. And I think that that's what knitting does is you start off with maybe one pretty simple thing, but each time you make something, you're stretching yourself and you're thinking, well, what about if I did it with this? And how's that going to come out? Or now I'm going to add mittens to those tiny little hands. And <laughs> I mean, I think baking and knitting and cooking, they they do that. They give you the opportunity for on the one hand practicing your craft, but also building and improving your craft. And it's the opportunity for growth that is in there and the the infinite variety that is in there that makes it the perfect hobby.
0: Yeah, I so agree. I hope that everybody is not stressing too much about making things for the holidays. Be kind to yourself. Don't be like me. Frantic knitting. (laughs) Yesterday when I was making the cornbread, I couldn't find the cake tester. And I was just, Turning the kitchen upside down, my daughter was trying to help me. And she said, You know, I think it might be in the dishwasher. And I said, Who would put it in the dishwasher? And the dishwasher was running. So, of course, I didn't want to. And yeah, it was in the dishwasher. Uh (laughs) I don't know why I was getting so frazzled by the lack of a cake tester.
1: I know. Well, I always think about that, that it's never the thing is never the thing. And yes. you have to be like okay well what's really under this the cake tester is not the thing exactly so,
0: yes hopefully everybody is enjoying this time forced yes. family fun time forced family fun time sometimes they're upon a, us sometimes but there's an extra f to the forced family fun time <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: But that's where you seek refuge in knitting and things like that. That is awesome. Well, Booty, so we've talked about ponchos versus shawls. We've weighed the various pros and cons of mixes for cornbread versus homemade, or what Grandma Klein used to say, did. And we've talked about rats in the
0: kitchen. So... <laughs> Seems appropriate. There's kind of all over the place. (laughs) Yeah. Because
1: that's what happens before forced family fun time and holidays Hmm. is is the frazzle, the pre-holiday frazzle. But we hope everybody's
0: not too frazzled. That was not the extra F, but yes. (laughs) Yes. Check out the show notes. I'll put the links to these things and the recipes. And we hope you enjoy and what? I think it's time to say
1: whatever, whatever you, you do, do. Don't, don't knit like, like my sister. sister
0: oh we were so close that time
1: I know and happy <laughs> thanksgiving in advance
0: yes oh and don't forget to subscribe at com.